you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. You can take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 12. And we are going to read about an incredible answer to prayer there. After the way the uh, the vision message went last week, and and from the feedback that I got from uh, many of you, I thought it would be good to continue with our fighting theme. And so we're going to spend the weeks leading up to Christmas, and yes, I said the word Christmas, it's coming Uh, We're going to spend the weeks leading up to Christmas learning how to fight like a believer. And today is is all about prayer. Did you hear that the Big Ten football season was canceled and and then it was not canceled? Uh, You know, as a Purdue grad and uh, a fan of Purdue football, that was happy news for me. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I follow them. You know, I, get, I follow all their tweeting. So I get to see who they're recruiting and who, you know, all this stuff. And so, um, you know, when it comes to football, some offenses are known for their passing offense. And some are known for their running offense. Well, our, our coach at uh, Purdue is a former quarterback. And so you can guess what kind of offense he, he likes to run. It's a passing offense. Gosh, you guys are smart. <laughs> Colts, former quarterback as a coach, so you might think passing, but they're kind of tricky, you know. They got this great offensive line, so who knows what they're going to do. But when it comes to our offense as a church, we are not a passing offense or a running offense. We are a praying offense because we are in relationship with Almighty God. He, we call Him Father. He calls us His children. We call His Son our friend and Savior. He smiles over us. He sings over us. He calls us to run to Him with our life. Everything about our life. He calls us to run to Him to fight the temptations of Satan. So because we know Him, we can fight this thing called life differently than the rest of the world. And when we do, the rest of the world has something to look at and say, their God is real. He is living and active. And they believe in him. Because our God is the almighty God. And nothing is impossible for him. And nothing is too hard for him. Have you, or do you know the name George Mueller? If you don't, you need to learn that name and you need to learn how he lived his life. He's one of the heroes of the faith, especially uh, for me. He was a Christian evangelist. He was a director of three orphan houses. He cared for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. He started over 117 schools for Christian education, giving over 120,000 kids education. He did all that not by perspiration, but by prayer. George Mueller, he knows how to fight like a believer. He recorded over 50,000 specific answers to prayer in his lifetime. And they give us inspiration when you read them. And then they give us an example of how to fight as a believer. Here's an example. 
Mr. Mueller, he wrote in 1866 when the measles came to Bristol, England in the summer of, um, in the summer and autumn of 1866. He, he said that measles showed up. And I thought, okay, you want to know how to pray in a pandemic? Listen to this. He said, this is our special prayer request. It was three. That, that there might not be too many children that get sick at one time as to overwhelm our infirmaries. And God so graciously answered that prayer when our sick beds were full. He, he heard our supplications and long stayed the spreading of the measles till a sufficient number of beds were restored so as to make room for others that took ill. Number two. We also prayed that the children who did got, did, were taken ill with the measles be safely brought through and not die. And thus it was. 262 children got sick with the measles. All of them survived. And lastly, number three, we prayed no physical consequences might follow the disease as is so often the case with measles. This was also granted. All 262 children not only recovered, but did well afterwards. And I gratefully record this signal mercy and blessing of God and this full and precious answer to prayer to the honor of his name. That guy knows how to fight like a believer. I mean, he was so full of faith. He depended on God so much. He would have the children sit down for breakfast when there wasn't a morsel of food in the house. They would pray for the meal and knock, knock, knock at the door. Breakfast showed up. Time after time, that's how he lived his life. That's how he did his ministry, depending on God. Church, we're going on offense. But it doesn't mean we're going to run out the door with our disinfectant bottles and masks and gloves. It means we're going to run to our knees in earnest together because we have a God who is there. We have a God who cares, who can do anything without breaking a sweat. So let's read this story in Acts chapter 12, what it looks like when a church fights like believers with prayer. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending afterward the Passover, after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that, this, that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark where many were gathered together and were praying. 
And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, this testimony of what a praying church can do because of you. We thank you for faith. We thank you for encouragement. And we pray that this would encourage our hearts to fight like a believer with prayer, Lord. Pray the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in those first four verses there, we get a description of the need that that was going on at, at the time. What was going on in Peter's life? What was going on in the church's life? King Herod was a political man. And he was trying to please the Romans, and he was trying to please the Jews, who are hard to govern. And so when he brought an attack against the church, he saw that that made the Jews happy. So what does he do? He goes after their leader. He goes after Peter. The church had just seen James be put to death by the sword. They had not long witnessed Stephen being stoned. If we could knock out the leader Peter, that would be a demoralizing blow to this new way that was spreading all over the place after Saul's conversion. So these are pretty dire circumstances. The church has got no political power. It's got no strength. No way to overcome their enemies. So that was the occasion. That was their need. Now, it is not new news uh, to you or to me that life is difficult. Life life is hard, and some days we feel that more than others. Um, But Peter and the church were certainly experiencing some of the most difficult days of their lives. So it's almost not fair to compare their need with, with our needs, but whether we recognize it or not, we need God's grace and mercy this very day to get to the end of the day. We need his grace and mercy. So listen, our conversations with God should be as common as our conversations with each other. We have that much need. Paul encourages us in the word to to pray without ceasing because he knows that one day life's going to come along and it's going to be bigger than we can handle. And so we need to learn on a day-to-day basis how to depend on God for his mercy. And that's not an easy thing for us to do. You know, living where we live and being able to take care of us uh, so well, which, you know, we should. God's put us here. None of us chose to be born in America. God, God did that. And so here we are, and we have the ability to, to uh, work and, and provide for ourselves. So being good stewards of all of that, you know, he would want us to do that. But he would also want us to live our lives depending on him. And so there's a day coming in our lives that the best of us, the smartest, the strongest, the most talented, we're going to come up against circumstances that we cannot overcome. Example, COVID-19. Even the smartest people are not figuring this out. 
So there's going to be problems in our lives that we cannot solve. There's going to be weights that we cannot lift. There's going to be circumstances that we cannot change. And so the mistake that we make is that we live our life without learning to depend on God, without learning how to go to Him. So when things like COVID-19 happen, we don't know how to go to Him. We don't want to make that mistake. You know the verse in Romans 8 that talks about God working out together uh, good for... uh, working out together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think that's one good thing that's happening because of this virus. Is that every day we wake up and we've got this need that we can't figure out and we're going to God. We're learning to depend on him and with, with our lives to, to, to do life. So when we think about going on offense as a church, when we think about trying to do ministry in a COVID-19 world, you know, thinking about reaching out to people out there, thinking about asking people to come into this room and to fill it up, so they can hear about the love of God, so they can have an opportunity to believe in Jesus. All of those things we will not do unless God, unless we depend on God for His grace and mercy to do them. They will be nuts and bolts, and we need to recognize the need in our life to be able to do what He wants us to do. You know, my mom is an amazing list maker. I mean, okay, you know, I used to write software. I I was, when I was in my 20s, I was figuring out a software I could write for her to take care or to manage her lists that she makes. That's how complicated it is. All right, so if you want to know how to make a prayer list, you should talk to mom. Do you have a prayer list? Do you have a list of your needs that you go back to again and again to keep track of things that we're lifting up to God? I've got this prayer list that I call the five P's. I've been praying it for our church ever since we started 12 years ago. The five P's was a place to worship. God answered that. A people to worship with. God answered that. Power. Provision. And protection. I continue to pray all those things. Because he continues to provide those things. You know, doing this is difficult work. And we need God to carry us through it. We need Him to establish it. As Randy prayed in that prayer, He established His church. Because we've been praying that. That's those, that was the format of our prayer meetings very early on. We prayed that every week for our church. I keep praying it. Keep praying that. I've got lists with just people's names on it. People who just, who need Jesus. People who are struggling in life. People who need help and hope and healing. People who are in the dark and they need light. I just It's just a, a single name that I have on a list. And you know, when I think about that list, I, I think I put myself in the, in the place of the, the four friends that carried the paralytic to Jesus, lowered him down through the roof so they could get their friend in front of Jesus. That's the position we put ourselves in when we just take a name and we bring it before the Lord. We say, Lord, do what only you can do in this person's life. All you need is their name and a little bit of faith. I got a list called Greater Things. It's based on a promise that God gave me a few years ago about our church, about our life. Not really sure what greater things means. It's just greater than the great thing that's happening now. (laughs) So I pray that a lot. Hanging on to that promise that greater things are ahead. You got lists, you got prayer lists, 
keeping track of the need, I encourage you to do it. Because if you do it, what you're going to end up with is a testimony of God's faithfulness and power and strength. It'll encourage you and it'll encourage others. So make your lists. So Peter is in prison. He's scheduled for execution. And there's nothing that the church can do about it. Except verse 5. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter is in prison, but prayer. Not, Peter is in prison, so the church was devising an escape plan to get him out. Not, Peter is in prison, so the church is sending its leaders to Herod to bargain for his life. Not, Peter is in prison, so we got to hide away so we can preserve ourselves. The church prayed in earnest. So think about that, you know, for a second. Our leaders in prison... Let's have a prayer meeting. Now the world scoffs at that idea. I would say, if, you're, if all you're doing is praying, you're not doing anything. But that's exactly why believers can fight differently than the world. Because we know Almighty God. That verse, verse 5, said the church was praying to God. He is also known as Creator, Provider. Strong tower, shepherd, healer, daddy. He is known as mighty and merciful, faithful and true, living and life, the light of life, the light, the the bread of life. He is known as refuge and keeper, avenger. He's the greatest avenger. Helper, rock, righteousness, holy, God of gods, first and last, beginning and the end, alpha and the omega. Our praying may look foolish to the world, but our not praying looks foolish to God. So, COVID-19 is in the air. But prayer. You lost your job. But prayer. You're running out of food. But prayer. You got cancer. But prayer. Death has come to your home. But prayer. You're running out of money. But prayer. You're afraid to come to church. But prayer. No peace. But prayer. No hope. But prayer. But prayer. Jeremiah 33, verses 2 and 3 says, This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is His name. He says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But prayer. Psalm 50, verse 15, God says, Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. But prayer. Jeremiah 29, 12, God says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray for pray to me. I will hear you. Our great God, who can do anything without breaking a sweat, invites us to come to Him and to pray to Him, to cry out to Him, and He says He will listen and He will answer. 
but prayer. Now, Acts 12.5 said that the church was earnestly praying. Earnest is an important word there. You could substitute fervently or strenuously. That's a special kind of praying. That's, that's praying like your life depended on it. That's praying like somebody else's life depends on it. That's Jonah in the belly of the fish kind of praying. That's Elijah asking God to shut the sky up for, uh, for, so it wouldn't rain. That's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, kind of praying. It's earnestly praying. Earnest, earnest prayers involves your emotions. It involves crying out. It involves shouting, tears, and groans by the Holy Spirit because we've run out of words. Earnest praying is not pretty. And it's not over in five or ten minutes. And it's rare. Because we don't want to look foolish before God or before other people. But I'll tell you what, earnest prayer is powerful. It's powerful. Jonah was spit back out on dry land. Elijah shut up the sky for three and a half years. Jesus prepared his heart to carry the sin of the whole world for all all time. That's some powerful praying. Have you ever prayed earnestly? Because people in your life need you to pray earnestly. Your church needs you to pray earnestly. Your family People you work with. Now, it's not something that you can conjure up. You know, it, I'm not. I'm not saying you got a formula of shouting and crying and putting your emotions into prayer. That's not going to fool God at all. No, no, it's not about putting your emotions into prayer. It's about putting your heart into prayer. And if you put your heart into praying for people, your emotions will follow. You bring people to Jesus and His Spirit stirs up in you and you bring, you bring those prisoners, you bring the sick, you bring the lost, you bring the broken. Bring them all with your whole heart. A mustard seed of faith and earnest praying will follow. Verse 5 also tells us something we don't want to miss. The people did not receive a prayer request for Peter and run home to their prayer closets. They ran to someone's home and they got together in a room. It says the ecclesia was earnestly praying to God. A gathering of believers came together. Guess what we did last Wednesday night? Right back there we had a gathering. The ecclesia gathered for prayer right back there. And we prayed to God. We started with Mark chapter 9. You know, the story that there's this dad who came to Jesus with his boy. And he was desperate because the prayerless disciples couldn't cast out a demon that he had. And he comes to Jesus and he says, if you can do anything, please do something. And Jesus says, if you can, anything is possible for him who believes. The man said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's where we live. You know, coming to prayer on Wednesday night will help your unbelief. Staying home will hurt it. Guaranteed. We prayed for the sick. We prayed for marriages, for the church, for the lost, for people driving into mire that they might turn in here. Took about an hour. 
we left filled up with faith. That God heard. So if, if you want to see God do things in your life like Acts chapter 12, come to prayer on Wednesday. If you want your faith to get stronger, your prayer life to grow, your life with God to come alive, if you want that, come to prayer on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. You know what today is, right? Well, it's Gavin's birthday. You didn't know that? He's 23 today. It's an important day, not just because it's Gavin's birthday, but because 23 years ago today, Washington, D.C. had a million men on their knees on the, on the mall crying out to God for their country. Dad was there. I was in the hospital having a baby. Or Lori was having a baby. I was just rooting her on. That's how you fight like a believer. This past Saturday, Franklin Graham, had, I think they had between 100 and 200,000 believers on the Washington Mall showing us how to fight like a believer. It's got me encouraged, church, to get us together and to pray and to fight like a believer. Now, this Wednesday night, we're going to share the, the church with the worship team, but uh, we, can still, we can still pray together. We've got to go on offense. We've got to get on top of this thing, and we do that by getting on our knees earnestly. Let's do it. So in verses 6 to 11, we see how God responds to the prayers of the church in Jerusalem. Peter is under heavy guard. He's, he's got two chains on him. On him. He's, he's got guards barring the door to his room. An angel shows up, lights the place up, and he pokes Peter awake. Tells him to get up and get moving. The chains fall off. He gets dressed. And then he leads him out into the street. And then he disappears. And that's when Peter realizes, this isn't just a dream. This is real. I'm free. I am rescued. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Now, we don't know what the church prayed. We don't have it recorded in the scripture. But we don't have to know because we see how God answered. (laughs) God rescued Peter from Herod. God showed up in the situation. God got Peter out of prison. We can learn to pray by looking at how God answers prayer. And we got a book here full of answers to prayer. Sick people getting healed. Possessed people getting freed. Hungry people getting fed. People in danger being protected. Weather getting changed. Directions being given. Questions getting answered. People getting saved. All of those answers to prayer in there. God does them. Can teach us how to pray. Now there's physical answers to prayer. And there's spiritual answers to prayer. You just look at what happened to Peter. Peter was poked awake. That was a physical thing. A light shone in his room. That was physical. Chains fell off. Doors opened for him. Angel let him out. And he was set free. So our prayers need to be filled up with, with asking God to show up in the physical. Manifest yourself here. Jesus encourages to ask and we'll receive, seek and we will find, knock and the door will be open to you. American Indian College President David Moore, he shared this experience about God showing up in his life when he was on a mission trip in Italy, in Rome. He says, these are the words of my son Royce, who was 14 at the time. This is what Roy said. I couldn't get to sleep, Dad. I had this terrible feeling that you were in some kind of trouble. 
And I thought, what would I do if something happened to my dad? So I looked at the clock in my room. It was already past 2 a.m. I got out of bed and started praying for your protection. After I did that, I felt like everything was okay, and I went back to sleep. Royce's prayers being lifted up were happening while I was on a road trip to Venice. We made our way out of Rome as the city was just waking up. And as the city was behind us, we were maneuvering through the mountains, and it was a beautiful scene. And there was this guardrail on my right that was separating us on the freeway from the valley below. Two hours we would be in Venice. I started imagining what this city was going to be like. Gondolas taking us through the watery streets. And then all of a sudden, there was this hissing sound in the car and a pop. And it was filled up with steam. Steam so thick, I could not see the people in the front seat. Literally, I could not see them. My ve- the vehicle swerved. I didn't know it at the time, but boiling water had engulfed the driver's feet. It was the only time in my life I'd felt like I was going to die, so I braced myself for the inevitable. Somehow, the driver was able to control the car. And eventually, we came to a stop nestled against the guardrail. I looked at my watch. It was just after 9 a.m. in Italy. But at home, it was just after 2 a.m. in Montana, where my son was on his knees praying for his father, who he felt like he was in danger. That's the kind of answers to prayer God provides in the physical. And it happens every day all over the world to believers and unbelievers as we call out to him and he showers his grace on us. Nothing is too hard for him and nothing is impossible for him. Ask, seek, knock and he will answer. Now when you look at Peter's rescue, you can also see some spiritual answers to these prayers. I mean, everything that happened to him can have a spiritual parallel if you think about it. You know, people are spiritually asleep and they need to be poked awake by the Holy Spirit. So when you're having conversations with people, you want to pray that prayer. That the Spirit would poke them awake to God's presence and love. People who are spiritually in the dark, they need the light of Jesus to be able to see Him, to be able to recognize Him as Lord and Savior. We want to pray that for those that are wandering out there looking for an answer, looking for something that satisfies, and we know they will never find it. We know people who are in chains to their sins, and they need to be set free from that. We need to pray that God would unchain them from their sins. There's a whole new set of clothes to put on. You know, in Christ, we put on Christ. Whole new set of clothes, whole new path to walk. Get out of that prison garb, get out of that prison of unbelief and walk in the newness of life with Christ. You can see all of those spiritual parallels. Peter's rescue can point us to the spiritual. We want to be praying spiritual for spiritual things to happen in our lives. For God to stir up a hunger in us for more of Him. I mean, when I try to stir up a hunger for Him, it doesn't last very long. We need Him to do that. So there's answers to prayers that we read about in here, and they can help us know how to pray. You know, God has given us an imagination. You have an imagination, right? (laughs) You do too. You all have imagination, even if it's a little one. You know that God can use your imagination to help you pray for someone? 
If you put yourself in their shoes when you're praying for somebody, put yourself in their sickbed, put yourself in their tension-filled kitchen, put yourself on their stressful job or at school, put yourself in their situation, in your imagination, and just ask Jesus to do things for them that they cannot do for themselves. Carry them to Jesus. Use your imagination. And write it down. Because God will answer in the physical. He will answer in the spiritual. And we'll have something to share. Which is where I want to go last. Because what you see happen to the church is going to be the same experience. The Jerusalem church um, in verses 12 to 17. It's the impact of the answer. The impact. And it was hard to believe. So Peter realizes he's free. He goes to John Mark's mother's home where uh, the prayer meeting is going on. He knocks on the door and Rhoda the servant girl comes to answer and she hears his voice but doesn't open the door. She's so excited and joyful. She goes back and says, Peter's at the door. And they're like, you're crazy. Sit down and be quiet. But she wouldn't. And so they say, well, it must be his angel. I'm thinking, man, that takes a little bit more faith for me to believe that his angel's at the door than Peter could be at the door. Once they finally let him in, they were amazed, it says, as Peter told them the results of their prayers. And then he said, go and tell others. Now this little praying church here gets a lot of flack because they didn't believe that Peter was at the door. But we don't want to be too hard on him because when we see something with our very own eyes that God does and only God can do, it is hard to believe. Faith does not come by seeing. It comes by believing. In uh, 2017, I was in Ahmedabad, India with Pastor McQuan and Mike Dickey. And there was a Hindu family that had become the faith in Christ and we were going to go visit them. We'd been invited to come to them because they were reaching out to other Hindus. Um, and uh, they had connected with a man who had a paralyzed right arm. And so they wanted Pastor McQuan to come and pray for him. And so we went to their home and this, this couple came, the man that we wanted to pray for and uh, we shared with him about God's love for him, about Jesus, what he'd done for him, shared the gospel with him and explained to him, you know, how, how that God is able, but we don't know if he, if he will. But we know that he loves you. And so we offered him a chance to believe before we prayed for him. Then we anointed his arm with oil, placed our hands on him, and we began to pray. And it was earnest kind of praying. You know, when you're praying in English with, with people that don't speak English, they speak Hindi, you know, you can just pray. You don't have to worry about what you're saying, you know. Pastor just translates all that right. But anyway, we prayed for him, and then we took our hands off. We were in a little circle around him, and his wife was standing here, and Mike was across the way, and there's Pastor Maquan. And, and uh, so we, we stepped back from him, and Pastor said, can you raise your arm? And so the man started doing this, you know, kind of like that. Didn't get much higher than that. And I, I looked at it, and in my mind, I said, I wonder if he could have done that before we prayed. So we left, and I shared my skepticism with Mike, and he said, that's exactly what I was thinking until I saw his wife's face, who was standing next to me. I couldn't see her face. And she was amazed that he could do that. And I confessed and asked God for forgiveness for my unbelief. And I learned something, that our God can do anything. It's not too hard for him. It's not impossible for him. He didn't even break a sweat. All he asks us to do is believe and pray. 
So in verse 17, we can understand what God wants us to do with these answers to prayer. He wants us to share them. He wants us to tell other people about them. Peter shared his experience with the church. You could hardly believe that he was there. And then he said, hey, go tell other people about this. Why? Because it brings glory to God. It tells people that our God is real. And he is living and he's, he's amazing. He can do anything. And then it stirs up faith in us to pray. And it strengthens us as a church. All of those things happen when we share our answers to prayer. Now we got those outreaches coming up. You know, trunk or treat, shoe boxes. And I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Start praying about this. Now, trunk or treat, why would we do that? Well, here's what it's all about. We're giving people an alternative to Halloween. Okay, so we do it on Halloween so they, they can not go trick-or-treating but come here. I am not about Halloween. I, I am not about celebrating the darkness or making light of it. It's real. It's evil. We should have nothing to do with it. But I am all about using the holidays of the world to bring attention to Christ. And so we're rescuing Halloween and we're making it a gospel outreach. So when people come, we're going to be able to say hi to them, give them some candy, and give them some tracks. That'll be all about Jesus, and they can take those home, and they can read them. You know what? That's the nuts and bolts. We need to ask God to put it on their hearts to read those things. That they might respond to what they read. He might give them faith to begin seeking Jesus. And then maybe some of them will come back. We should pray that too. We're not just going to stand out on the cold to hand out candy and high-five kids because they look so cool. It's not just about being friendly and nice. This is a spiritual battle that we are in, and we need to pray that God would grow the kingdom, plant gospel seeds in their hearts. Operation Christmas Child, shoeboxes, same thing. We're putting toys in these shoeboxes, but we send them off to Samaritan's Purse. They send them all over the world. They use churches and pastors to get those boxes into the hands of kids which helps them connect with families, and they, are, they hear the gospel. So we are, we are going to send out a hundred different boxes, and it will be our hands, our feet, our voice, and we need to pray that each one of those finds a heart that will respond to Jesus. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too hard for him. This is t- it's time to go on offense, and it starts with praying. We want to pray. We want to fight like a believer because that's how God wants us to fight. Because when we do, he gets the glory. Are you with, are you with me? Amen. Come on. Well, we're going to close the service today, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So again, if you need the elements, they're there on the table by the, by the sound booth. You know, without a relationship with God, where we call him father, he calls us children. All this praying business doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Almighty God calls us his children because we've come to know him by way of his son, Jesus. Jesus gave us these symbols of bread and a cup to remember how he provided life with God. The bread is his body broken for us. The juice is his blood poured out for us to provide us forgiveness of sins. The sinless one took on all of our sin. 
died on a cross, pouring out his blood so we could be white as snow before God, so we could have a relationship with him. And so we eat this bread and we take this cup to remember the way that he told us to. Jesus is alive today. His tomb is empty. He's sitting at the right hand of the God the Father right now, and he is praying for us right now. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll let you take the elements on your own, remembering what he did for us. Let's pray. For this is what the Lord himself has said about his table, and I have passed it on to you before, that on the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Heavenly Father, we come before you um, to what we know as your table, your communion table where we commune with you and remember what your son has done for us. Who he was, how he lived, how he died, and how he rose. It is our act of faith and obedience to celebrate this with you, Lord. We take these pre-packaged elements and we pray that there would be nothing ordinary about them to us today. Because there is nothing ordinary about your son. About the sacrifice he made. About the life he gave so we could have life. Holy Spirit, stir in our hearts as we remember. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And next week, um, Pastor Hubert Nolan will be here to share the message with us. Um, Next week is October 11th. The church is 12 years old on October 12th, so we'll be sort of celebrating our 12-year uh, mark. Um, so I'm excited to have Pastor Hubert uh, come and share um, Man of Faith, but I, I would like for you to pray for him. Uh, he called me this week and shared with me some warfare that's going on at the Hope Center. You, re, you know the Hope Center there that's south, south of us. Some, some of the, um, at least one girl accused them of some sexual misconduct. And so um, it, it was a year ago that the accusation was made. The search, they showed up with search warrants in May. And Pastor Huber was accused and another pastor there. It's ruined that pastor's life. Um, the Indianapolis Star, I believe, is going to come out with an article about this. Um, of every faith in my pastor. And I believe it, that it's the enemy, you know, trying to stop something that's doing a lot of good for the kingdom, both in the physical and in the spiritual. So you can pray for him because he, he called to ask me if I, if, if I still wanted him to come. I said, yeah, I want you to come. So he'll be here uh, next week. Um, so we're looking forward to having him. Um, but keep, keep him in prayer as uh, all this continues to kind of come out. Um, shoe boxes are there. Uh, take those home with you, one for each hand. And uh, sign, let me know if you want to do a trunk, a trunk or treat. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Thanks for being here. It's really good to see all of you.